For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Day two here on Birds 365. Not for McMullen and McDonald. This is no show number 327, as a matter of fact. I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and their season underway. Uh, a tip of the Hertz season hat to John McMullen, who was here at the start of Birds 365 yesterday before making his way over to the first workout of the year for the Birds. But then another show last night here on Birds 365 put up an article, camp recap on uh, jacobsports.com, and he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to go with me this morning. Good job out of you, McMullen. <laughs> well, thank you, Jody. We'll, we'll see about the bright-eyed, but I can't, you know, compete with uh, Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon and Tone DeShields, for that matter. Our associate, uh, our producer. So, well, how would you know about Gannon? Gannon is so uh, under. Yeah, that's what Town said. Yes, sir. Well, no, I know Gannon. He's ridiculously energetic. It's ridiculous. The guy's always and he doesn't show that when he sits in front no. of a microphone. Oh, the guy's always going a mile a minute. Yeah, he's calm though. Yeah, give when me credit for that. If, yeah. if when he's out there, and, and you were able to determine that in fifty-eight minutes yesterday, huh? Yeah, I mean they did. You know, jokes aside, they do, they do go pretty hard for that uh, fifty-eight minutes. But it is fifty-eight minutes. Uh, but they do, you know, a lot of red zone work. A lot of, lot of. They call it uh, high intensity. They have green, yellow, and red practices. That was a green practice, and it was, to their credit, it was high intensity, but. Yeah, 58 minutes is 58 minutes. I, I don't know how you get around that. Um, I'll, 
I'll take Nick Sirianni at his word about the intensity level, and you're not the only one who reported it. All the other guys said the same thing. They jam a lot into 58 minutes. They do their work. They're not there to screw around. They get their work in during their less than an hour-long practice. But he also, here's where I question Sirianni is his math. They've got more walkthroughs this week, this uh, preseason. Starting today. But they've also got more green practice, which is high intensity. Well, if they've got more walkthroughs and more green practices, what do they have less of? It's yellow. To me, like they got they less more, of. They have more yellow, less of yellow practices. So um, what is a yellow practice? Yesterday was high intensity. Today is a walkthrough. What does a yellow practice look like? It would be more of a, to use a, you know, when Doug was here, he would have what was called a 20-20-20 practice, um, which was sort of, you know, after they went with pads, like for two days, they would scale it back for one day. It would be, it would be a practice, but different format. You have 20 minutes for the offense, 20 minutes for the defense, 20 minutes for special teams. Um, a different format, the offense would be, you know, essentially playing scout team for the defense. The defense would be playing scout team for the offense and all that kind of stuff. So you're just trying to get the other side. So it was, it was much like, it was more scaled back. It was not high intensity. Um, so you have less of those and, you know, it's all health related. I've been saying this on birds 365 since we started, Nick went into it more in depth. So I give him credit for that. He was talking about soft tissue injuries. Their studies say the third day, there's a spike in soft tissue injuries. Now their third day, they're considering today the third day because they had some conditioning stuff when, when the guys reported on Tuesday. So that's why they went with the walkthrough, and that's why they're going to to have these walkthroughs after some high intensity practices. So, um, yeah, more more less yellow practices, I guess, would be the way to describe it. Okay, yeah, his his math did confuse me yesterday. I have to admit to that. Um, so you did get fifty eight minutes of high intensity practice in. And I love the big guys wearing the great kazoo bubbles on their helmets. Uh, that's yeah. The Guardian caps. That's nice. Great. How many people are going to get that, Jody? The great kazoo. Yeah. I like it. A couple people, man. Uh, glad you did. Um, and that uh, it supposedly shows that they are high intensity. You were there. There was nobody really hitting anybody yesterday, was there? No, that's that has nothing to do with intensity. That is... The, that's just the way the NFL is going for the concussion. Everything's about legal indemnification to be honest uh down the road so certain positions offensive line you know linebackers tight end guys who might knock helmets are going to be wearing those guardian caps eagles aren't the first team to do it um it's the first time they've done it and they're going to do it throughout camp consistently but that doesn't have anything to do with the the intensity aspect i mean in yellow practices in theory or red they're still going to be wearing those certain positions. So it's just a, a, a way to um, lessen the impact, potential impact. If, if, because even if you're doing a walkthrough and you got helmets, you're, you're not going to have helmets on. So that's a bad example. But even if you're having a light practice 
and you have helmets, you know, sometimes guys bang their head, they fall, they bang their head on the ground. So it's just, it's just another sort of safeguard to try to prevent that. And that I, that I can appreciate. And that's just putting an extra piece of equipment on. Uh, you are actually at least uh, believing there's the possibility there could be contact. Cause John, I, I'm pretty sure the Eagles know that, but just in case, uh, let me get this on the record. There will be contact when the yeah. season starts. Well, yeah. The other team is actually going so to hit far. the Eagles. The Eagles are going to be expected to hit the other team. So, yeah, and, I can actually see a place down the road. I'll probably be gone, but we're you know, we're playing flag football. I mean, the NFL. I don't know if you saw it was a couple of weeks ago. Troy Vincent uh, leading try to get flag football in the Olympics. Not real football, flag football. Right. Um, you know, I never thought it. Now I think it. Now I think that eventually we might be playing flag football. Will it happen in John McMullen or my lifetime? Or well, any it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Our streaming uh, youngsters out yes. there who check into Bird 65. Thank you very much for that. All right, first question of the day for actually what went down on the field. Did you see Brandon Graham make any moves, do any things, uh, do anything that made you say, all right, he's 100%. He, he's a little older than he was when he came out of Michigan, that's for sure. Can't beat Father Time on that one. But after last year's injury, you've said several times here on Birds 365, it looked to you like he was really chomping at the bit to come back last year, and the Eagles didn't necessarily want to push the envelope or risk it. Uh, is Brandon Graham 100% in your eyes? Yes. Yeah. He's completely a hundred percent. I, I don't think even that's an, in fact, you know, he's probably in better shape than he usually is at this time of year because he spent all of last year rehabbing. I said that injury was September. I mean, so it was early, early in the season. Um, when it comes to, to, to weight and muscle, he's in the best shape of his life. You could tell he's been living in the weight room. Uh, the bigger issue with that type of injury is just, you know, Brandon Brooks is perfect example of this. We went through it. Um, Brandon, you know, would get in phenomenal shape when he was rehabbing from his Achilles. He would, you know, he was a big Instagram guy. He would put pictures up. He looked like he, you know, he could go into a WWE ring, WrestleMania 40, by the way. Did you get that on the show, Jody? I completely I forgot. Completely forgot. Uh, completely. It's going to be at Lincoln Financial Field. Not. I. I, I wanted to break the news right at ten. But yeah, you know, what yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, hey, uh, nice out of you. And I hope you put it up on your Twitter or whatever else. And you did tell me and say, but you can't say anything until ten o'clock. You yeah. can't say. And then we had some technical issues yesterday with our buddy Rick Saratella. So I was just worrying about getting the no, show I, I, done. I, it's not that big of a deal, but it it is a big deal for Philadelphia. But getting back to Brandon. Um, you know, he would get in a great shape, but he's a 300 and, and, you know, 30 pound guy when he's playing football, he doesn't walk around. We already, I bet you, I haven't seen him recently, but it's probably 280 by now. Um, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear on Achilles when you're trying to play football. That's the part you have to worry about with Brandon Graham at 34. But as far as being in shape, as far as, that kind of thing, you don't have you don't have to worry about that. I mean, that guy is that guy's ready to go. And you know, it'll be interesting because he was 
when we when we started shifting toward the maintenance days, the veteran maintenance days, Brandon was always a guy who's like, screw that, I'm going to practice. Now, I think he's going to have those veteran maintenance days this year. I don't think they're going to let him out there. But, um, yeah, he's in, he's in great shape, and he was taking the first rep with the first-team defense, and it was like old times. But he also realizes um, – He's going to take a bit of a step back because, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for playing time on the defensive line because there's a lot of options that Jonathan Gannon can use. It'll be very interesting to see how the defensive line shakes out in these high-intensity 58-minute practices. Um, <laughs> one the thing that uh, either you noted, someone else noted, I think it was in, in your column that I saw uh, on practice number one, um, they're giving veterans a little bit of a nod over uh, youngsters. Uh, yeah. Nicobe Dean with the third team, um, Jordan Davis with the second team. One that kind of jumped out to me was Kayvon Wallace on the first team with the starters over both Anthony Harris and Jaquiski Tart. Um, I, I think uh, Harris wasn't. Uh, no, he yeah, team. Harris was uh he had COVID. There was four I think four or five players who recently had COVID that they're being very cautious with. They called it, you know, a progression from COVID. So Harris wasn't working in team drills. He did some individual stuff, but wasn't working in team drills. So um, you know, Tart was healthy um and ready to go. And they let Kayvon Wallace take the first reps with with uh, first team reps with um, Marcus Epps. Um, and yeah, that was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, and, and I said, you know, Tone and I were talking about this as well yesterday. You know, he, he, he didn't get here till June, um, whatever, I think it was 18th, 19th, somewhere in that range. Um, but remember OTAs were done by that point. So he had done nothing with the Eagles. That was his first day with the Eagles. Well, Tuesday, you know, report day, but that was his first practice with the Eagles. So you said, you start to say, well, that makes some sense. But then I was thinking, I go back to last year, they signed Steven Nelson two days before the start of training right. camp. And he took the first rep. as He, did he, he was yeah. first team, first rep, first rep, you know, but you know, it was Zach McPherson as a rookie fourth round pick. So you kind of weigh it. Kayvon's been here for a while. Um, so, you know, maybe they want to defer to the veteran Eagle strange to call him a veteran Eagle, but that's what he is at this point. I don't expect it to last. Let's put it that way. But, um, you know, maybe the Eagles want it to, to happen because Howie Roseman was talking about the safety position uh, before the practice started, and he kind of foreshadowed. He was talking up Marcus Epps, and Marcus made the play of the day. Um, so that was a positive sign for the Eagles. And he also mentioned Kayvon. He said, we we need he – was, he was honest. He said, we need to see more from Kayvon Wallace, um, which I think we all know, but it's refreshing to hear – honesty from the GM they need more speed back there they need more athleticism so they probably hope the sort of the light goes off for Kayvon Wallace 
but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. Well, he did get first team reps, so it was one day, and we'll see if he can parlay that into something more than that. All right, uh, before we get our first guest up of the day, one Jacob Media fans will be uh, uh, well recognizing. Um, give me your Jalen Hurts evaluation. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to know exactly what everybody thought of the however many passes Jalen Hurts threw yesterday. Uh, what would the, the, do you actually keep score? No, that's the, Elliot's job. That is Elliot. Uh, follow Elliot Shore Parks if you want to know the nonsense of the training camp numbers and who knows how official. It's like keeping stats at a high school game. Uh, if you miss a play, you're you're screwed, but um, there were some good and, and there were some bad. And uh, the, the bad was probably the play I mentioned, Marcus Epps. And it was bad more, not because Marcus made a nice interception. Um, the ball came out late, which gave him the opportunity to make that interception. And that was one of the problems with Jalen Hurts last year. Ball not coming out on time too often. So that was... Uh, probably the most concerning part. On the other hand, I saw him make a back shoulder throw to Quez Watkins that I've never seen him make before. I mean, it was, it was Rogers. Like it was perfect. It was pinpoint and it was from the slot. Normally you see those back shoulders outside because it's easier. Um, Now it was seven on seven. It wasn't team drills. So that, that makes it a little bit easier because you don't have as much traffic, but, it was a great throw. It was a great throw. It was great catch as well by Quez Watkins. So positives on both sides. And that's the kind of throw you got to make in the NFL. And that was that was a big time throw. So that was that was a real positive uh point. So you would cat categorize it as more good than bad? Yeah, more it, and it should be. I mean, it's practice. Um uh, you know, a lot of the seven-on-seven seven stuff, as I said, that is heavily skewed towards the offense. So it's a little bit easier. In the team drills, it gets a little bit more difficult. That's where Marcus uh, had the interception. Um, but I would say overall there was more good than bad, yeah. That's not a bad start for Jalen Hurts. All right, uh, he is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are adding to the mix. Our very own Rob Ellis is going to join us next. You know him from Sports Take. He also is the host of the Eagles uh, postgame show on their radio network. Robbie E. Rob Ellis joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life, 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. March 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, McDonald and McMullen. There's a familiar face you Jacob Media YouTube fan should recognize from our very own Sports Take and the host of the Eagles postgame show on their radio network, one Mr. Rob Ellis here on Birds 365. Good to get you up on another show, Mr. Ellis. I'm loving it. Max squared, man. What better way to start yeah. the day? I'm ready to roll, man. Hanging with you. There we go. We fun. need some of that energy, Rob Ellis. Well, I do. <laughs> A long day yesterday. I hear you. Yeah, it it's it's like the first day of school, right, John? You get yeah, back there, exactly. you see some familiar faces. Although the first day of school is like a half day now, Rob. It's a least. good point. Well, it kind of yeah. is like, yeah, you're with the Eagles, you're right. And then you yeah. get an off day the next day or a walkthrough. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Second day of school, I don't remember getting off. But No, that was are. a full day. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was hardcore. <laughs> uh, let's start with that. 58 minutes, high intensity. You probably heard Nick Sirianni trying to explain it. You buy that, Rob Ellis? Or or you think, uh, I know from my perspective, I think, you know, Nick Sirianni is a competitive guy. I find it very hard to believe that he wasn't, if he wasn't allowed to practice more, he'd say, yeah, forget it. This is enough. Uh, your uh, thoughts I, on I don't think he's acting on his own accord, for sure. Yeah. I think this comes from upstairs. Um, and, and look, John, here, here's where I'm at. Does that seem short to me? Yeah. Does it seem kind of crazy they're not practicing today? Yeah. But they were the least injured team last year, and you have to take that into account. And I'm willing at least to give them the benefit of the doubt. The The part where I'm going to stray from this is if they start the season off and they look like they're a mess and they don't look you know, tackling sloppy, you may see that around the league, but tackling yeah. sloppy, they don't appear to know where they're supposed to be in certain ways. Like to me, you can offset that a little bit if you're doing more film study, if you're doing more installation stuff in the classroom, I guess. But if it starts off ugly, then you have every right to come down on them. I mean, even by the NFL standards now with these CBAs, the Eagles take this to an extreme. 
Yeah, they do. There's a lack of work. Well, to follow up real quick before you jump in, Jody. Last year, Rob, they looked great week one. But then, you know, two and five start. And all of a sudden, that was a mirage. So maybe that had more to do with Atlanta not being ready with a rookie head coach. So if they show up in Detroit and just wax the Lions, are you going to feel comfortable and say, all right, they made the right decision. They're healthy. They're comfortable. Are you going to wait a couple of weeks because last year unfolded in a negative fashion from that perspective? All the penalties, remember, too, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they were. They were heavily penalized. I, I think you got to wait about a month, John. I, I don't think you can gauge it by one, especially against – and I think Detroit's going to be better. Look, Detroit wasn't – if you watch them last year, I, and I know them just from a, from a betting perspective, they were a great betting team. They were pretty competitive. The Eagles beat the brakes off of Detroit yeah, last year. But – yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be better this year, but it's got to you got to give me more than one game. You're right about the penalties, and the one that drove me nuts was the was the receiver pick plays, which oh was, yeah, that was all about, year. I know that was, plays. and to me, Nick Sirianni's a former receiver. Like yeah. if you're going to get that right, I, I don't know how that happened, but yeah. yeah, I need to see it for about a month, John, before I can say, yeah, you know what, this was the right way to go. But again, they were very healthy last year in their defense. Robbie, I just asked John this, and I know you had to deal with it. Did he keep an actual handwritten record of how many completions Jalen Hurts had and how many passes he threw it the first day of practice? By the way, I had that, Jody. But uh, I give it I, I had tip to Elliot Shore Parks. Twelve for fifteen, according to Elliot. That, hey, that's pretty damn that's eighty percent. That's like the Eagles opposing quarterbacks going up against them during that first. <laughs> yeah, that was Derek that was Derek R esque, Jody. That, yes, yeah. exactly right. Good for Jalen Hurts. Uh the reason why I bring it up, Rob, is because you had to deal with it doing a show with D Gunn, who decided to report on uh, report he got on what Jalen Hurts was doing in OTAs. Whether it's overstated or not, thanks, Elliot, for the numbers. Yeah, I'm going to just put the numbers aside. What are you looking for when when you either get the chance or get reports from guys who are actually there? John said he made a great back uh, shoulder throw, which wasn't necessarily his forte last year. Uh, do we have to wait? Like you're waiting a month to find out if the Eagles are handling this right with less practice than maybe anybody else in the National Football League, at least via time. When do you say, all right, Here's what I'm looking for from Jalen Hurts. Either he's giving it to me or he's not. How do you determine whether Jalen Hurts has improved enough going forward for this team past 2022? I'll tell you, Jody, it's all about clock for me with him. You know, in terms of just how quickly is he getting the ball out if he's going through his reads. Uh, And that was his worst play yesterday, Rob. He threw the ball late. Yeah, And Marcus Epps was able to undercut it and intercept it. That's what concerns me the most, guys. I mean, I I think the the – can't throw the deep ball thing is overblown. I think some of the other stuff gets blown out of proportion with him. But the biggest thing for me is, A, if the first read isn't there, I don't want him to just tuck it, run to his right like he almost always does. I want him to try to go through progressions. I want him to climb the pocket. What's Brady do better than anybody else maybe that's ever played the game? Yeah. Climb that pocket. Yeah. Peyton Manning. These guys weren't going to you know, win any kind of 100-yard dash, but they were able to buy themselves enough time. And you, that's all you need in that league sometimes is second. So, that's what it's all about for me. I want to see him be able to hang, not just fall back on his athleticism, which is great, mind you. However, you don't ultimately win deep. You don't go deep in the NFL with that trait. He's got to be able to stay in the pocket and make the throws. Now, what do you think, Rob, of the team, everybody falling on their sword for Jalen Hurts? Oh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, everybody. You just mentioned Tom Brady, Pete Manning. Everybody. 
including those guys, Aaron Rodgers, throw out any name you want, has a bad OTA practice. Who cares? Not a big deal. Uh, but this team was falling on their swords. A.J. Brown, uh, the head coach, uh, he's wearing the T-shirt. Um, everybody, is that a good thing? They want to protect their quarterback. Uh, you think it's a, a little too much insulation? Uh, could work both ways. Yeah, I didn't mind. I don't mind Sirianni wearing the T-shirt. That's kind of who he is. Like he's kind of a goofball, high school football coach, rah rah. Yeah. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think it. I think it connects with the players. And I think he'd wear anybody. I think you could see him wearing Brandon Graham. Yeah, he already has. Know. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So I don't care about that part. I do think the players are almost overprotective, like an older brother is maybe sometimes with the younger brother. And and it it does concern me a little bit. You know, what is the, what's the line Val does protest a little too much. It feels like it's a little bit over the top for me that they're almost sent very sensitive to it. Like every quarterback goes through that. I mean, yeah. I, I get AJ Brown was trying to have his back when with Gunner's report, but big, like you said, who cares? It's one practice. Yeah. Was he off yeah. a little bit? Yeah. Gunner wasn't saying he stunk the whole OTAs. He said it was one practice. Like to me, if you're going overboard with that, you know, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? So yeah. I do think it's a little bit much, which worries me because maybe they're seeing some of the things on the downside that isn't necessarily good. And they kind of know a little bit. We got to prop this guy up. I don't think he asks them to do that by any stretch. Let me be clear, because I think he's secure enough in his own person, in his own skin. But I think they almost go over the top, which would worry me. Like, I don't think you're getting um, Randall Cobb is not going over the top to protect Aaron Rodgers if he has a rough OTA. Let's put it that way. Oh, that's a foregone conclusion, exactly. Um, here's the only story that I would say, storyline, that I would say goes above and beyond that, that everybody loves Jalen and Jalen's the greatest leader and why are you guys picking on Jalen and uh, you're so mistaken when you critique Jalen. Here's the only one that tops it for me. Jalen is going to be so much better because for the second consecutive year, he's working with the same coaching staff and the same family. <laughs> Stop. Come on. You're, you're in the NFL. This is in high school where, oh, continuity. If you're with the same guy, that's going to make it that much easier. Is, uh, are you with either of you two guys with me on this? All right. The story's been reported. It doesn't need to be harped on. Jalen shouldn't be falling back on, oh, I know this so much better. Just go out and get the job done. Yeah, I, I think Jody, it, fall, it falls on the intangible thing that we that we always kind of fall back on too, right? It, that that plays into it as well. I mean, do you love the fact that he's not Kyler Murray and you don't have to put clauses in his contract to study? Yeah, that's great, right? I mean, I love that. Yeah, and, yeah. By the way, that that has that's unreal. All over it. That I have a real bad feeling about Arizona. Yeah. That, that yeah. that's just me, but um, nonetheless, I, I I'm with you. Like ultimately, all this stuff is great. And, but it's to an extent, it's kind of window washing a little bit. You got to be able to make the plays on the field. Like I'm a great guy, but if I'm lining up against Detroit week one, September 11th, the Eagles are toast. Okay. So he's got to be able to make the throws it to me. It's the mid range game where he struggles more than anything else. It's the middle of the field. It's those touch passes. Yeah, middle That's of the what field. he's got to get better at. I don't worry about like, I think AJ Brown's going to help him a lot because you can hit him five out and he's going to make a big play for you after the catch. And that's huge. And I think he can connect with Devontae Smith late uh, deep, but it's the middle stuff more than anything else. But Jody, I hear you. I mean, look, we all do it and we all discuss it. And we all know what a good guy he is. It's almost like how much more can we say it at this point? Yeah. Um, I do think it helps a little bit to, to just to be more comfortable in the offense, be more comfortable with the play caller. 
I think there's a natural evolution there. But I certainly agree with Jody that it's a little bit overblown. What is it going to be overblown? In day one, Rob Ellis, I'm already patting myself on the back uh, because I made this prediction that Jalen Rager is going to look great in training camp. And he looked great on day one of training camp for this reason. <clears throat> He's a first-round talent. Um, you know, there's not 70,000 people there getting all over him. And he's playing against second and third team corners. And he dominated them. Are the Eagles going to create a problem for themselves that they keep going about it this way? Because he's going to play well against lesser cornerbacks. And then we're going to go down this route of fool's gold and saying, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a Nelson Aguilar Blight comes on a little bit in the third season type thing. Should we open? Should we leave the door open? Should we be Motel 6? Should we leave the light on and say, maybe for Jalen Rager? I, I, I think it's a good thing, John. I, I think if if anything, uh, he, he's not being enabled anymore that, hey, you were taken in the first round and you're going to get, we're going to force feed reps to you. Now it, it's kind of like if there's any kind of competitive spirit with the guy, you're with the twos now, man. Two years ago, you were the first round pick. You were the bell of the ball, and now you know you're you're fighting for a play, for a roster spot. So, if he's got that juice, that fire, and, and I I you know read your stuff on JacobSports.com and and what everybody else is saying, he looked good yesterday. I think it's a good thing because you need depth. And this team, one of the strengths I think of this team in general is depth, offensive line, defensive line, and now if you can have him as a fifth receiver potentially with the ability that he has. I don't think there's anything bad about it. I think it's a good thing. Now, will the fans maybe start hyping him up a little bit? I don't know. The fans are so angry at him to begin with. I think it's yeah. going to take a, a lot to get them to come back around on him. But I think it's a good thing. And I, and I hope he's grown up enough to realize, look, man, this is kind of do or die for you, at least with this team and maybe in your NFL career. So I think it's a good thing. John, I know they worked the uh, red zone uh, yesterday, big time. Um any special teams? Because that that's going to factor in on the whole rate. Ra- yeah, a little bit at the end. Pump re- he was the first team pump returner. So, I mean, yeah, I, all, all the guys rotating. He was first. Greg Ward was second. Uh, Britton Kobe was third. Then they had a couple other guys. Lance Lenore, who they just signed. But, yeah, he's number one. He's number one pump returner. So, if they don't trade him, He's going to be here. He's going to be the punt guy. That, yeah. That's I think that's a big part of it. He can look great against, as you correctly point out, second and third team defensive backs. But he may actually have to make a play against another team in a big spot on a punt and help the Eagles either win or lose a game. So that, to me, is as important as he looks in any of these plays. And for Rob, by the way, this is for you, Rob. Greg Ward and Jalen Rager – Ran a successful rub route. Oh that my god! No flags. No flags. I know there no were officials flags. there too yeah. yesterday. Wow. Yeah. See that year too, John. Things have changed, <laughs> man. We're not. We're not going there. But I'll tell you an underrated storyline, guys. If you take Jake Elliott out of it, who had a phenomenal year, I'm worried about special teams. I don't like Sippos. I don't like the return no. game. I mean, I look. I hope Britton Covey at five eight of buck sixty, whatever he is, or yeah. Devin Allen you could somehow emerge it would be a great thing but i if rager is my primary punt returner i just have visions of of the tampa bay game man where he doesn't secure the ball at least i know with greg ward he may not do much but he's catching it likely so 
that's an area I don't think we talk about enough. It's a little concerning. Oh, yeah. It was bad last year. Special yeah. teams was bad last year. And you mentioned the return game. The coverage was bad. Yep. Said so they need gunners. They need more consistent, not D-gun, but gunners uh, <laughs> on punt coverage. Yeah. Uh, they need better kickoff coverage. They need better return games. They need a better punt game. Everything basically except Jake Elliott. And I think Michael Clay is sort of, you know, everybody's looking at him like this has got to be better. Yeah, young dude, too. He's, he's not even 30 yet, John. Oh, right? I think he might be one of their best special teams players. Unfortunately, he's coaching. <laughs> he's coaching. We haven't seen yeah. a player coaching it probably since the 50s in the NFL. Maybe we could make that happen again. All right, Robbie, need your take on this because uh, I know John's, and John slants a specific way because of uh, his uh, affection or uh, his just belief of players that talented. Uh, that'd be the Eagles' first-round draft pick in the middle of their defensive line. Yeah, I John, Jonathan Gannon this year. We're going to see changes to his defense. It's not going to be the same defense we saw last year. Some Eagle fans would like to see drastic changes, mm -hmm. even so drastic that Jonathan Gannon <laughs> is this guy making those calls. But he is. He's here. He yeah. may have gotten a couple interviews. He didn't get a uh, head coaching job, despite the fact that the general manager said they're just renting him. Well, they've already paid up this year's uh, rent, so he's here. Get used to it. How are we going to see those differences in Gannon's defense? Is it all going to be determined by Jordan Davis? And all right, we put him in the middle and then we figure out everything else around him. Or does he just fit that role and Gannon's got everything else? Is Zahn Reddick actually the key piece to the dip, uh, defense being different? How are we going to see differences in Gannon's defense? Joe, I, I think it's a collective thing. I mean, yeah, Jordan Davis certainly is going to play a big part in this. Or he's going to play a part in this thing for sure. But getting a double-digit sack guy in Reddick is enormous. Getting Brandon Graham back, not having to count necessarily as much on Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett, I think is big. You actually have real linebackers, you know, a complete linebacker core for the first time in a long time. Look, you Howie is added all over the place on this defense. It wasn't one or two moves. Uh, I, I compare it in this sense. I think you had the kind of depth along the defensive line you had in 2017, which means you could continue to throw fastballs at them and keep these guys fresh along the defensive line. And I think it's huge. I, Jody, I'm a big believer by the end of the season, the script's going to be flipped on Jonathan Gannon. People are going to be praising him, happy with him. I think he's going to be a candidate for a head coach, which is a good problem to have ultimately. <laughs> But I think he was, in a lot of ways, hamstrung in a big way last year with a lack of talent. And we, we sort of want to use that excuse sometimes for Jalen Hurts or we want to use it for Sirianni maybe. But Gannon doesn't get the same benefit of the doubt because we're so inclined in this city to think like Buddy Ryan, Bud Carson, and Jim Johnson. Yeah. It's got to be uber aggressive. And if we don't, yeah. if it's not that way, people I mean, think about the way, way people view Jim Schwartz. They can't, they're not big fans of his, right? Yeah. No. But so I think he's I think we're going to be really happy, but I think it's a collective, not just Jordan Davis. Well, who do you think you mentioned, Rob, um, Jordan Davis? And I'll even throw Brandon Graham in there, but Hassan Reddick, because Brandon wasn't here last year. So of all these James Bradbury, of all these new names, even if you want to go Kaiser White, N'Kobe Dean, throw in Joukowsky Tart, all these new names. Who's the biggest part of it? Who's the biggest key that needs to have a big season if the Eagles defense is, is going to take that step forward? John, I'd say Reddick um, for a couple of reasons. One, it, it's a little bit of a challenge to make sure you utilize him right. 
Uh, if you look at the beginning of his career in Arizona, he didn't do much. And it looked no. like he was going to be a bust. And then they kind of figured it out at the end. And it carried over into last year with Matt Rule and, and his crew in Carolina. But you got to use him right. If you do use him right, he's a disruptive force. And that changes everything. I mean, that helps the back end. That helps your defensive line. That creates that helps your offense because it can create a turnover and give you a short field. It, it felt like they didn't have a whole lot of that last year. So I would that say part Reddick, of special teams as well. Yeah, you can't flip the field. You can't get field position. Yeah, great for so, it. Felt yeah. like everything was uh, you know seventy five yard drives and, and and real deliberate kind of stuff. Not necessarily the way they wanted to go. Plus, they ran the ball a lot, which meant there wasn't as many big plays. But I, I think it's Reddick uh, more than anybody else. Um, if I had to look at somebody else on that defense. I don't. I'm curious as to what Bradbury is. Is he the guy we saw in Carolina, or is he? Was he just a byproduct of a mess in New York last year? I'm. I'm not really sure. I think I also have some PTSD from some of the other corners who have come over here in years yeah. past and didn't live up to the hype. That's fair. That's yeah. So fair. I have a little bit of that bias going in. So I would. I would say those two guys I would put on the forefront. But let's face it, guys. I'm really. I, this goes for offense and defense. I can't wait to see what Nicobe Dean is at the NFL level because he was so good at the college level. So he's the guy I'm probably most excited to see. I just got a text from Kerry Williams who said, is Rob Willis, is uh, Rob Ellis referring to me that he's got PTSD from? Uh, I'm not going to return that. Uh, the answer is yes, Kerry, but don't give, him, <laughs> don't give him my address, Jody. Don't tell him where I live. I, right? I won't be giving you your no, number no. or your address. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Unless you need some sconce advice. Sconces. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I have to take the day off today later yeah. on Sports Take to look at some sconces, but don't uh, tell the, the guys. The Eagles can probably get out and get the sconces yes. since they've only got to walk through. Good point. Um, Flip side, the question you just asked with John, um, the new guys on the defense who are going to be there. How about the old guys? How about the guys who might not be grasping that attention because they were here, they were already part of it. Maybe they're benefiting just like Jalen Hurts. Ooh, two consecutive years in a row dealing with the same coach. Why don't we talk about anybody else getting that same benefit that Jalen Hurts gets? Um, We mentioned it with Fletcher Cox. I just wrote about Fletcher. He was talking about it. Second okay. year in the defense, and he's right, a so better then, guy. Since John's already mentioned Fletcher, who's the guy who's flying under the radar? The returning defensive guy who did his job in the system last year and's got a chance to do it even better this year because of the additions the Eagles have made. Do we get a full season out of Javon Hargrave? Uh, he was a world beater early, right? And yeah. things really slowed down. But do we get 17 games out of him? Uh, and I think he could maybe be a guy who benefits – from that rotation I was talking about, but, and he's also a guy who played in in a lot of odd man fronts in Pittsburgh. Right. So I think that this could really, this could aid him big time, Jody. And he's also in the same position Fletcher's in where, you know, let's face it. He's pretty much playing for a contract and for Mm -hmm. his NFL future. So I think Hargrave's kind of flying under, because we're looking at Jordan Davis, right? We're wondering, Oh man, should they have brought Fletcher Cox back for 14 million uh, BG? Uh, You know, all these other guys were kind of Hassan Reddick. We're looking at all these other guys. And he's a really good football player, man, that, that is kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but I think could be huge for this team. Um, you know, it's interesting because we've, we've gone down this route, so I do want to focus in a little bit. You mentioned Javon. I agree with you. But Fletch, from this perspective, and both of you guys, because both of you guys get to take calls and, and talk to the fans more than me, so I want your perspective. I, it, it seems to me everybody that they don't want Fletch. They 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 want to see Milton Williams. They want to see Javon. They want to see Jordan Davis. 
and as Jody says, Rob, I'm a, I'm, I think Jordan Davis is going to be a great player, but hasn't done anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Milton Williams showed some nice signs. He's not Fletcher Cox, even remotely. Javon Hargrave, he made his first Pro Bowl. He had, you know, seven and a half sacks, but as you mentioned, was help, heavily tilted um, towards the, the start of the season kind of tapered off pretty much Aaron Seapops like late. <laughs> um, but Fletcher's one of the best defensive players in this franchise's history. Why the disconnect of people saying, we got to turn the page on Fletcher Cox? It shocks me. And the Eagles don't believe it because they gave him $14 million. Now, they wanted to reboot the contract, and they got that done. But fourteen million is fourteen million. They think he can play. Why does the fan base think Fletcher Cox can't play? Is some of it, John, the position he plays? I, I don't think defensive tackles get enough love in general because sometimes it's not a numbers position. Uh, maybe some of that has to do with it. I, I think, I, I think there's a lot of pushback that he came back for fourteen million. Had it been a little bit cheaper. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he, maybe some of it is that he pushed back a little bit last year on on some of the things he was being asked to do, and maybe the fans didn't like that. It's weird because the fans aren't big fans of Jonathan Gannon either, but they seem to be siding with Gannon when it comes to Fletcher Cox. I don't know. It, it's a good question. I, I think it's it's. I think people view him as a guy on the downside, but you know his downside is probably better than most uh, guys who are on the the up. I guess. Um, yeah, I think he gets a bit of a bad rap. He's probably not appreciated to the level he should have been because you talk about almost he's around his 10th year somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, a, a pretty good body of consistency here and a guy who played on a Super Bowl team. So he probably should get a little bit more love than he does. I don't I don't quite quite get it. I think maybe the price tag has something to do with it. If he came back at like 10 or nine as opposed to 14, I don't blame him for grabbing as much as he could grab. But I think maybe that has something to do with it. Bob, I'm sure you guys have talked about this on Sports Take and uh, you have on your WIP shows, uh, but uh, we haven't gotten your take here on on Birds 365. The fact that Jonathan, uh, excuse me, that uh, Nick Sirianni will not be calling plays this year, unbeknownst at least to me, and I think almost everybody else, he wasn't calling them for the second half of last year either, and that became uh, common knowledge, a little bit of a surprise there. But he's turned the responsibility over to his offensive coordinator. John and I both like, John maybe more so than me, like CEO coaches. Guys who don't feel one side of the ball has to be a bigger responsibility for them than the other. But he is just a second-year coach. You don't see guys do it as quickly as Sirianni has done it. Will the Eagles benefit from that this year? Will they be better if you believe that they were better in the second half? And a big reason was Sirianni gave up the play calling responsibilities. I I wish I knew exactly how much credit Shane Steichen should get for last year. Going into this year, are the Eagles better because of it? Um, I yeah, I actually like the fact that he was secure enough, especially in his first year, to turn it over. I I, I he I, my guess is he just wanted to be able to. He was so hyper focused on calling plays that he couldn't you know, worry about the defense or the special teams or all the stuff that you have to worry about as a head coach. So I can live with that, Jody. I'm good with the decision to turn it over. You obviously have some trust in Steichen. The one thing I'll say about Steichen is, and this is not a knock, I'm I'm almost in the I don't know category with him as far as this year goes. Let me wait and see. But he did almost what he had to do last year. It was pretty obvious that if you wanted to throw the ball 30, 40 times, it wasn't going to work. So they, they kind of did the obvious. However, 
sometimes it takes teams a long time to get there, and the Eagles did it, and they did it well. Um, but I'm good with, with Sirianni being willing to make that kind of move. I think it shows a little something about him as a guy. Look, you have to be confident as a coach, but an ego can be a downfall of a coach too, and you can get stubborn to a fault. And this shows me that he's not that guy. As far as Steichen goes, yeah, I didn't know either. I, I, I when, when that came out, I'm like, man, was I just asleep at the wheel here? How did we not know that, right? It's almost one of those things like you're like, do I admit this publicly? I didn't know, but I didn't know. No, but um, a lot of people, knew. well, it was so, we, we knew late in the season. Yeah, uh, We didn't know. It happened in the Chargers game. Um, and he admitted late in the season um, that, there was a shift, uh, but we, we never knew when it came to be or when it started. And even now, Nick will say, I think it was the Chargers game, but I'm not sure. But uh, so he tries to play it down and everything's going to be run the same way. But uh, it, and that'll be the final one for me. Everybody follow Rob at uh, RLS Sports. You see it right there. Sports take with the gun. Is Barrett going to be back? Where's Barrett? Barrett's Barrett? back. Yeah. So right, we, uh, we found him. He was, yeah, we didn't know where he was. We, we, we tracked him <laughs> down and uh, he was back in the helm yesterday. So All at right. least for the rest of the week, he's here. Barrett's a rascal, man. You never know what's yeah. going on. So actually, I think he's going to be at practice on Friday. So he Friday. Is, Good. he'll be so I'll see Barrett. Years. I'll see yeah. Barrett there. Yeah, you will see. Um, you will see. Barrett's not easy to. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, wait a minute. Barrett's not easy to see. How the hell do you say that? Miss. Barrett is huge. How do you, if you hey, miss Barrett, Jody, you have, he's trimmed down, man. You gotta he's eat a, some carrots, buddy. Your, yeah. your vision's going if you yeah. can't see Barrett. Jesus. He's a lean, mean fighting machine, Jody. How dare you? No, but he's, uh, I meant to say, miss. Okay. He is, uh, Barrett's yeah. the guy. He's Barrett's a big, he, he's a big guy. guy. Great guy as well. He's so the best. It, yeah, I, he's the I best. will be looking forward to seeing Barrett. But to get back to the Sirianni point, now, you know, we all lived through Doug Peterson, and I joked, you know, I was in Minneapolis, and I joked, all right, he's got a lifetime dispensation card right. when they won, and I that lasted three years, uh, which is still astonishing to me. But um, the point is that things can change very quickly. And, you know, Jeffrey Lurie tends to look for scapegoats if expectations are not met, and we saw that in Doug's era with Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh and people like that. Is there any way this giving up the play calling, which I applaud, by the way, personally, comes back to bite him in the you-know-what if if things go in a negative direction and Jeffrey Lurie starts saying, well, we brought you in here to be the offensive guy, to be the innovative young coach, to be the play caller. Any negative aspect to it from that perspective? Uh, I would assume he ran that up the flagpole, John. So I don't, I don't think he was doing it independently. So they signed off on it. I would guess um, would be the first thing I would say, or you could even look at it the other way, right? Or is, is Steichen scapegoated if it doesn't look well yeah. and that protects Nick? Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't think ultimately it falls that way. Um, I'm with you. I, I was surprised how quickly it happened with Doug. You know, I think Wentz had a lot to do with it uh, in a lot of ways. But no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think Jeffrey Lurie also wants to be this guy where he's having constant turnover, right? I mean, Chip was a very short tenure. Yeah. Doug was, for a guy who won a Super Bowl, was crazy short. I don't think they want to, you know, the Sirianni thing to be over two or three years and they become known as this team that's just almost like an NHL team where you're just recycling coaches nonstop. So, I, no, I don't think that hurts him. I, I really don't. I think, if anything, it, it insulates him maybe even more as the head they coach. Already, 
they already have a team like that in the division. They're called the New York Giants. They're in their coach over every two or three years. Yeah, that's true. I, I, although I think Dable, they got that right with that with that hire. Eventually, it's not going to happen right away, but I think eventually they're going to be a lot better. Probably better than the predecessors. I'll Could be much worse. At least that much. Yes. Uh, last thing for me, Rob. Howie Roseman spoke yesterday as well, and John told us that he specifically pointed out we need guys like uh, Kayvon Wallace to step up this year. They got to he he put a couple of his own players on notice, deserved players as a matter of fact. So good on Howie. Mm-hmm. We've given him a lot of credit for having a tremendous offseason uh, in both the draft and in free agency. Uh, and mean it when I say it. I I'll just speak for myself. I mean it when I say it. I think Howie's had a hell of an offseason. Mm-hmm. But how he likes to tinker, how he likes to be involved, how he likes to have his stamp on the team. If he's already stamped it well enough, what the hell is he going to do all this preseason? Should we worry about? But you know how he's going to want to change something because he always does. Can Howie be a understated or at least underactive GM before the year starts? No. No, uh, you never discount Howie making a move. I, I think, Jody, if he can figure something out at safety or to help the special teams or return game, he'll do it. I, I would say this, if I had to if I had to bet money that he sits pat or he does at least something before the regular season starts, I'm betting on something all day because okay. that's just his nature. And, and you know what? I'd rather it be that way, Jody. I'd rather my executive or my GM err on the side of aggression than some guy who's always standing pat. No, let's see. We'll see what happens. He's always kind of going for it, whether it works all the time or not. I'd much prefer it that way than some of the other GMs we've seen in this town. Rob Ellis, you'll catch him today with Barrett Brooks. Now, you sure Barrett Brooks? I, if, if he pops up, I'm going to know who it is because Barrett is a big guy. You sure he's going to be with you? Jody, if he's not there, I'm going to his house. Okay, Very we're going nice. to make this happen today. I am stone cold locking this thing in that Barrett will be there today. By the way, Rob, I just noticed over your shoulder. I never noticed before. Yeah. You got the bird uh, Irving with Julius uh, Strang. Oh, yeah, that, yep. I yes. love that. I love yeah. that. It's one of my all-time favorites. I, I got Bednarik over Gifford, Doc and Bird strangling each yeah. other, Reggie White looking over my shoulder. If I get out of line, he sacks me, guys. <laughs> if I get a little a little crazy sometimes. So I, I try to give you a little little Reggie, you know, uh, representing my Temple squad, but I got a little Phillies and, you know, yeah, we try to mix it up in the, in the, uh, my, my, my studio is like a refrigerator, guys. Like I should, I, I literally, I have a blanket around my waist. <laughs> it is, like if there, there's like icicles coming out of my nose. It's so cold down here. So. See, John, John and I are lucky. We're always at the beach with the Her, uh, See that? Even even in December, you guys are at the beach, and it's beautiful exactly. in Atlanta yeah. City. I we're, love it. Working well for us. You yeah. work well for us today, Mr. Ellis. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody should be tuned in later today for Sports Take when uh, Barrett Brooks sits on Rob Ellis. Uh, should, <laughs> should be entertaining. Rob, thanks, bud. Thank you, fellas. Great being with you. All Thanks, right. Rob. Rob Ellis here with us on Birds 365. All right, coming back, I want to get Johnny's take on the same question I asked Rob about Howie. Howie's gotten the, the job done here. This is a good roster. It's a better roster. It's an improved roster. McMullen's loving it. I'm loving it. Most of our Birds streaming fans are loving it here on Birds 365. Can Howie resist the temptation of doing something that may help the team or may actually set the team back? He is a busy general manager. Can they get through it? I don't know. Other than special teams, as Rob brought up, and that's so small. Are you afraid that uh, Howie Roseman might look to do something for the sake of doing something? I'll put that to Johnny Mac. When we come back, stay right here on Birds 365. 
Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac Bird Street 65 guys here. Uh, appreciate you streaming in with us on Bird Street 65. Appreciate Rob Ellis and his Carrie Williams love joining us for uh, a spot today. Always got- good to get a Carrie Williams reference, Jody. Always. He, he opened the door and I walked through it. Um, and uh, we've got another good guest hopefully coming up. Uh, Connor Orr, Sports Illustrated national writer is going to jump aboard with us hopefully in the next uh, 20 plus minutes. Um, so keep it right here. Uh, yeah. I, I asked a question to Rob and then I uh, posed it again before we went to break. Johnny Mac, you know what I'm referring to. Howie Roseman spoke yesterday, two part question. Number one, uh, as I stated with Rob and with you, uh, any fear that Howie might just get a little itchy and, do something that doesn't really need to be done because he's done such a good job this offseason? And number two, 
Anything else that Howie said that intrigued you yesterday? He got up there on the uh, podium with uh, Coach Sirianni before practice started. Anything that he said that made you go, hmm? Um, I, I think the biggest thing I brought up was the safety position. He rarely, you know, rarely singles out particular players. And with Kayvon Wallace, just looking at the transcript and the break, the exact quote was Kayvon needs to take a bigger step. Um, so that uh, is always sort of, I raise my eyebrow when I hear that. And then for the position as a whole, he said, um, it's like every position will evaluate it and constantly be on the lookout to improve the roster. Team building is a constant thing here. Uh, I don't know if there's any position I would say, hey, we're good. Um, that's the nature of Harry Roseman. By the way, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, you see the back end of the roster churn constantly. They signed three guys yesterday, uh, you know, Lance Lenore, Jaden Graham, and uh, Cameron Tom, I believe, the center. Um, you know, they're probably not going to make the team, but they're constantly churning. They're constantly looking for uh, potential upgrades or potential uh, players that might have a trait that they could develop. I, I think I never criticize him for that. I think it's a really good thing. As far as splashy moves, um, you know, I think it's wait and see on, on Bates for everybody because the Bengals don't want to give them up, number one. It would cost tremendously. I think the Eagles want to look at, hey, maybe Kayvon Wallace figures it out. Maybe Marcus Epps figures it out. Maybe it's better than people think it is. Um, and then there's Rager and Dillard and those types of guys who might be moved because you kind of know. Well, certainly in Dillard's case, you kind of know <clears throat> he's out of here um, next year, um, good or bad. If you need him or not, he's out of here. So, you know, what point does that come to fruition where you say, all right, um, you know, maybe we got to move him because we're going to lose him. And maybe LaRaven Le Clark is good enough. Or maybe you start thinking about compensatory picks. That's also what GMs do. Maybe maybe Howie's like, we're going to lose more people than we're going to get next year. Maybe he gets a half-decent deal. You get a comp pick. So a lot of things in play when it comes to that. But, hey, he has a history of making trades in August uh, that we know of. And some of them are, are pretty high profile. Right. That's you why know, I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Ronald Darby, probably the biggest people forget that was a pretty big deal at the time. Cause you're giving up Jordan Matthews, who people thought was a really good receiver. It was more of a high volume guy. Um, and I think it was a third round pick. Wasn't it Jody? So that's pretty significant to get Ronald Darby and Ronald got hurt. Then he came back. They won the super bowl. Um, he's always looking to do something always. Let me ask you about a specific question, because you mentioned the three guys that the Eagles signed yesterday, quote-unquote, bottom-of-the-roster guys. Yeah, that's how I would describe them, too. Uh, Jaden Graham, tight end, that played with the Falcons, a couple other teams, um, has, like, I think, 12 career receptions in it during his time in the last few years here in the NFL. Uh, surprise guy showing up on the pup yesterday was Rich Rod. Um, didn't know that he was dealing with an injury. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know either. I still don't know. 
Okay. Uh, I didn't know if you did. If you had uh, known, I'd ask you to tell me. But if you don't, then that's fine. Um, was that part of why Jaden Graham was signed, that they knew that this was a possibility? Because uh, that is, if Howie's looking to do something, just me, and I'm not here to suggest Howie, but if he's listening, so be it. Uh, if he's still looking to upgrade, Jaden Graham is uh, somewhere between 80 and 100 as far as roster goes. And if you're over 100, you're not going to be making the team. Uh, you're not even going to be on the practice squad. So you get the point I'm trying to make. Backup tight end. And I'll get your uh, just quick read on Calcutta in practice yesterday. But if, God forbid, Dallas Scottard goes down, the Eagles are screwed. Because yeah. the drop-off between him and whoever's going to replace him is probably bigger than anywhere else on the team. I mean, number one spot that if you lose your guy, he's done for the season. Uh-oh, now we've got a much significantly less talented player in the position. That's probably the biggest drop-off on the team. So if you could get someone that if Goddard goes down and is done for the year – all right, there's a drop-off. There's no question. We're not going to be able to go out and get uh, reunite the Kelsey brothers. That's yeah. not happening here. Yeah. But maybe the drop-off isn't as bad. A couple of things there. How does Graham fill into the, all right, worst-case scenario, we could put him into the lineup thing? How did Calcaterra look? And do you think there is any chance that that's a position that Howie addresses? Um, yeah, I've been talking about it for a while. You know, I, I agree with you. I think that's the biggest drop-off depth-wise on this entire team. Uh, Dallas Goddard to the tight end two, whoever that is, whom, whomever it ends up being. Uh, re, so we knew Tyree Jackson was going to be on the pup list. So you also put Richard Rogers. So all of a sudden you need a body. So I could see Jaden Graham being everything from just that to being, and the guy I immediately thought of was Alex Ellis, if you remember him, uh, who came in during the Doug Peterson era, had played a little bit in Jacksonville, and they brought him in during camp, and we said, all right, this is just a camp body. And he end up, ended up making the team and playing a few games and you know, kind of bounced back and forth. Uh, practice squad, making the team, playing a little bit. I could see Jaden Graham being everything from that that sort of uh, scale, everything from a camp body because they need a body because two guys are hurt to a guy who's going to make this football team because he's been in Atlanta for four years. I mean, he's doesn't play a lot, but he, he seems to understand. Obviously, he's from Yale, so you kind of know he's very smart. Um, so he's going to pick up that part of it and they just need a player and you bring up Grant Calcaterra positive per signs look really, really good as a receiver. Um, and that's what he is. And he you know, wore the kazoo helmet too, right? Yeah. Yeah. The tight ends were, were the kazoo helmets as well. So, um, and, you know, he, you know, it's, shouldn't joke about Grant's concussion history, but he did go to Pittsburgh um, and Dr. Joseph Maroon is out there who has been the longtime Steelers uh, team position and is one of the leading concussion specialists in the country. Um, and uh, I forget the name of the doctor. I'll try to look it up in our next break, but um, 
somebody who works closely with with Dr. Maroon cleared Grant, and that's why he came back uh, to play football. So it's not like he just woke up one day and said, I feel good. He went to some of the top uh, concussion specialists in the country and got cleared. Um, So that part of it, I think, is a little bit overblown because, um, you know, I think he retired more because he was scared more because he picked up the newspaper. Well, kids don't pick up the newspaper, picked up his iPhone and started reading some of the stories about how dangerous concussions were. And he just said, I don't want to deal with this. I I'll, I'll go in a different direction. And then when he did start to get a little bit more educated and he went to experts in the field, they said, no, you're fine. You're there's nothing wrong. Uh, people have had far worse uh, issues than you and, continued to play and continued to play safely. So that's one thing, but so that's, if, if you were going to ask me today, what is today? July 28th, Jody, um, who's going to be the, the backup tight end for the Eagles. I'd say Grant, Grant Calcaterra um, from the options given to me. Now I still think at the cut down, to 53, the Eagles might look at that waiver wire and say, you know what, this guy could give us more than Calcaterra early in his career, Jack Stoll or whomever, uh, and go that route. Or you're right, if, if some team has a surplus of, of tight ends, how he might not even want to deal with the waiver wire and say, I'll give you a seventh round pick. I'll give you a six round pick. I'll give you Jalen Rager. Maybe it's a player for player trade. So I could, I could definitely see them doing something at tight end. Here's my take on Calcaterra and how he fits into the Eagle tight end room. And I said this on the night he was drafted, despite the fact that I knew when he was in Oklahoma, he was a very talented wide receiver, but, had to step away because of the concussions, came back, looked good, but not as good as he did at Oklahoma. Here here was my only downside concern. He wasn't, and I don't think he will be, and you couldn't see it yesterday in the workout despite having his well-protected helmet on. Nobody's hit anybody. So there was no contact ongoing If you're going to go to two tight end sets and Dallas Goddard is still going to be on the field, as good as Dallas Goddard is at blocking, if you want to send him out into the pattern, well, then you're going to expect the other guy who's out there in a two tight end set to block. And I don't know that that's going to be Grant Calcaterra's strong suit. I think he's going to be a pass catching tight end. And usually when you go to tight ends, either you're running the ball and you expect both of them to block, or you're going to send only one of them out in the pattern. And anytime I'm sending a tight out out in the pattern and Dallas Goddard is on the field, I want him to be that guy. So I'm going to look to the other guy to do the uh, dirty work and the blocking. And that's not Calcaterra's strong suit. So that's, that was my only reserve with the fact that when they picked them, I thought it was still good value in the round that they picked them, but does he serve the role that you would think would the second tight end would mostly fit on this Eagle team with Goddard being number one? Yeah, I've, I've talked about that before as well, Jody. It concerns me because, you know, Dallas Goddard is such a good blocker. 
Um, and the Eagles graded him the best blocking tight end in the NFL last year, and they're not the only ones. Um, there are very few people who can block a tight end like Dallas Goddard. So it's not like you can say Jack Stoll can do the blocking. I mean, Dallas is better. Dallas is a better blocker. Um, but he's also a great receiver. Uh, and if you keep him in line, it, it means you're using him less as a flex receiver. Now, the positives, you could say, well, now you have A.J. Brown, so now you can keep him inside a little bit more. Um, you don't need him as much as a receiver. I'd prefer to have him as a receiver as well. There is a redundancy with Calcaterra because Calcaterra is not going to be a blocker. Um, so you're right. Uh, and that's one of those things where Dallas, you know, probably doesn't know it, but it'd probably be better for him if he wasn't as good a blocker <laughs> as he is. Um it's he, just he better you, know, you better not let him hear you say that because yeah. he takes a lot of pride in his yeah. ability to well it's funny work. when they drafted he never blocked at South Dakota State, never because he was, you know, one of their best receivers. The Eagles didn't know he could block. And then he shows up and they're like, Oh my God, this guy, he just has a, a knack for it and he and he's willing. That's half the battle. That is half the battle. Um and he just really, really took to it. Um and yeah, but you're not going to find a better blocker than Dallas Goddard uh, in the modern game. Uh, obviously, there there have been in the past. Uh, Dr. Michael Collins, by the way, Grant Grant Calcaterra. So, uh, but I what? But I just want to clarify because a lot of people have said this. He didn't have to retire. Right. Um, he decided choice? to retire. Yeah. Like if he would have went to Dr. Collins when he was making that decision. He would have said, no, you don't have to retire. So it was pretty much Grant saying, I'm a little bit scared. You know, I don't want to deal with this later in life and making a, a brash decision for himself as a young person. Um, once he went to see the expert, um, he said, no, there's no issues whatsoever. So I think that because I've seen that out there that he had to retire. He didn't have to retire. He made the decision to retire. Agreed. All right. Uh, we've gone 73 minutes here since the show started uh, here on Birds 365. And we have yet to mention any running back on the Philadelphia Eagles. And ah, running. Who cares? We've forgotten the Philadelphia Eagles were the number one running team in the National Football League last year. And we go through an hour and change and we haven't mentioned the running game once. Johnny Mack, who looked good in the backfield yesterday. Again, no, you don't have your notes to refer to. You don't check it off play after play after play when a running back makes a play, but you're running back. Perception. Nobody cares about the running game in the Tony McDonald does. Come on. Um, I it was funny because I was standing next to our buddy Tim McManus, and right when Jalen threw the interception to uh Marcus Epps. And the next play was they were doing red zone work. The next play, they ran a draw to Kenny Gainwell. Uh, and that went for a touchdown. I put that in quotes. And I joked to Tim, all right, they, they, they've already gone run first. They, they've already shipped it from pass first to run first. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I, their running backs are fine. I think that's part of the reason 
you don't hear a lot of talk about them. And, and when we do talk about it, all right, could they use a bigger back? Yeah, probably. But do they need a bigger back? I think Jalen Hurts himself alleviates some of that need as a short down. I think Boston Scott alleviates that kind of need because he's got sort of a knack for it. Um, they seem to like Kenny Gainwell running when they're spread, you know, when they have board receivers on the field or Goddard's flexed out or something like that. They like to run that draw with Kenny Gainwell. And I think, you know, there's a lot of excitement surrounding him as potential improvement. And then there's Miles Sanders, who I'll tell you what. All right, I'll give you a bad and a good. Bad first pass of the summer, juggled it. <laughs> but he caught it. He hauled it in, but he juggled it. Uh, he is in tremendous, tremendous shape, though. I mean, he is. He looks different. He just, he, he you can tell he knows he's got to prove something uh, this year. Um, but he's just a good player. Is he a great player? I talk about it all the time. If you're expecting Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, you're you're going to be disappointed. He's not that guy, but he's a good running back. So I think I think Eagles fans have had weird swings of expectations. After his rookie year, they thought they had a superstar running back. They didn't. Um, now that they've seen just 800 yards, 900 yards, 730 yards, they say, oh, he stinks. He doesn't stink. He's a good player. He was a good player. When he was a rookie, he's a good player now. Would you like him to be a better pass catcher? Yes, but you don't need him to be because you have Kenny Gainwell. He's a great pass catcher. Um, could he be better in pass protection? Yes, uh, but again, he's not going to be playing on third downs a lot. He's not going to be playing on hurry-ups a lot. That's going to be Gainwell. And then there's some ball security issues you need to tighten up. And, you, you know, in the four-minute offense, don't run out of bounds. That's a legitimate criticism. You got to understand situational football a little bit better. But you could do a lot worse than Miles Sanders. So uh, Kennedy Brooks did nothing that grabbed your attention. You said, oh, shoot, there's a rookie that we can be uh, scrutinizing for the next couple of weeks here before the season. Well, the thing with running backs, and I joke, nobody cares. I mean, you can't judge a running back till the pads come on. I mean, what, what are you going to do in, in, in that type of atmosphere? So we talk about it in the spring, and we, we talk about people not liking uh, the running game in the NFL or not caring about the running game in the NFL just till December until they need it. Um, it's, it's tough to gauge running backs when there's no pads and there's no physicality. It's a physical position. And we'll see how physical they can get. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. We're going to add a third voice to the mix. He does a great job covering the entire National Football League. Oh, we're going to get his eagle take. That's for damn sure. But we'll touch on a couple of things uh, outside of the city of brotherly love with our next guest, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. Joins us here on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles 
and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You're Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365. And Connor Orr, good enough to hop aboard with us, fellow Jerseyite NFL writer for Sports Illustrated. Connor, you're going back to work. You ready for some football, bud? Oh, it snuck up on us this year, you know? The the football preview issue for Sports Illustrated closed last week. I worked all summer, so I didn't I, we, we don't yeah, get any time. We never get any downtime. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> People don't realize football, right? That my wife to this day, she's lived with me for uh I don't know how long. Two, the, the, I can't say it loud in the home studio, but she still says, well, football's over. What are you gonna do? I'm like, what are you you've been watching it for for this long, she still says the same thing every year. It's amazing. It never ends. The calendar is amazing. But uh, so let's start with Kyler Murray, just because I find this story so interesting. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals uh, went all in from a financial perspective. They had to. Tremendously talented player. But then you have the leak of the contract, which is you know the contract language, which is 
rare, you know, it happens occasionally, but rare, in this independent study clause, which was wild to me. I mean, why would that even enter your mind, Connor Orr, if there wasn't a problem? I mean, who's thinking about that? To put it yeah. in a contract if it's not a problem. It's interesting from a lot of different perspectives, right? I'm, I mean, you know, you don't want to do any source guessing here, but, you know, the, the league's own media arm was the place that broke the story, yeah. right? So you wonder if the Cardinals wanted this out there in some way, shape, or form to sort of shame Kyler Murray into doing uh, his homework. And if you had to go through those lengths in order to make something like that happen – you know, is he really a guy that you want to commit five years and $240 million to? And, you know, you know, I've seen it as this instance of this brilliant 3d chess move by the Cardinals, but I mean, this oh, isn't an organization. I see it the opposite way. Yeah, right? I, I, this, this isn't an organization that's played a whole lot of brilliant 3d chess in my mind over the last yeah. five years. So I don't know why they would start now uh, sort of being this team that, that does all these brilliant things that we can't comprehend. Yeah. yeah. By the way, real quick, just as a follow-up, sorry, Jody. No, go ahead. Um, did you get any sticker shock from that contract as well? I mean, we know how it works with and Deshaun Watson, so it's about timing and circumstance. But still, when I start thinking about these contracts and where they're going, we still have Lamar. We still have uh, – then it's going to be Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I can't even imagine what that's going to start at. Um any sticker shock at all when you see these quarterback contracts? A little bit. Um, you know, it's interesting, like with Aaron Rodgers getting to 50, um, you see the market kind of fall in. And so we're not we're not at the old formula, right, where it's like 50, 50.5, sit 51, you know. Um, and Jared Goff and Carson Wentz really changed that a couple of years ago where they took below market slightly. Yeah. Um, in order for the to, for them to get the security, but I think we're getting back to something closer to the old formula, right? Where it's going to be, I got to beat the next best guy by half a million, uh, and and then it's just unless it's Aaron Rodgers, unless it's Patrick Mahomes, you know, then I, I got to beat the next guy. And so, to me, that didn't surprise me. Although the contract is, like we said, incentive laden, um, you know. So with Kyler, yes, the average annual value, which is all agents care about. Um, is up there, but I don't know at the end of his career how much money he's taking home compared to some of the other guys that are up there. And so with with all these things, you have to just look at it through a magnifying glass. Speaking of a sticker shock quarterback, that would be the guy who everybody's attention was grabbed when he signed this offseason, Deshaun Watson, because he got a completely guaranteed $230 million deal. He's practicing with the Cleveland Browns. I thought there'd be no way he'd be practicing with the Cleveland Browns. We know he's going to get some kind of punishment. Maybe I shouldn't say that because some people have speculated he may get a complete pass. That would floor me. But um, just the fact that he is still practicing. And we have not heard from Judge Sue Robinson yet as to how much his punishment should be. Is there a backstory here, Connor? Is it just her doing her due diligence and not being dictated to by the NFL calendar? Are there uh, influences here that we're not factoring in? I'm admitting I'm like, uh, you could knock me over with a feather with the fact that this is dragged into past when the Browns are opening up camp. What do you make of the timing of this entire procedure? 
I think the fact that it's taken this long is is a good thing. I mean, you know, the NFL wanted to outsource the judiciary process because it was clear that, you know, after Greg Hardy and Ray Rice, you know, Roger Goodell was not fit to handle something like this. Right. And so if you're outsourcing it into a court like process, you would want it to resemble the one that, you know, we have installed in this country and hopefully that, you know, you know it takes time and it takes patience and due diligence, you know, and that it doesn't really matter if he's practicing because, you know, they can just yank him off the field one day and it doesn't really matter. My concern is, you know, I, I go back to the beginning of this process and the NFL pretty immediately early on leaked that they wanted a year plus indefinite and they don't do things not strategically. Right. And so why did they do that? I think they did that because they know they're not going to get it. And I think that they have no interest in appealing the system that they just set up uh, and having Goodell overrule in the first major instance of that. And so I think they know they're not getting a year. Um, I think they wanted to look tough. And I think at this point, they know that this thing's going to fall between, you know, I, the reports are two and eight games. I mean, that that sounds right to me. Um, and, and I I think you're right, Connor, as far as your, your take on that. Now, when it comes to a potential appeal, eight games, I think they'd be fine with. And I think they just would lean on, all right, this is the system. That's what Sue decided. She's a former judge. We can live with it. We don't like it. But two games? Do you think that if they went that and and see, here is what, and we've talked to a couple of lawyers as well, judges sort of lean on precedent. And the precedent here shouldn't be eight games. You know, you can go back to Ray Rice. Ray, Ray was two games. Uh, I forget what Greg Hardy was. Now, I I think Ben and Ezekiel Elliott were six games. Um, they tend to lean on that precedent. Um, so if they if they go to if she goes in that lower end, two games, you think that could cause a problem because then the league's going to get killed from the perspective of everybody's going to blame them. Oh, you get two games and you, you can have all these allegations of sexual misconduct, that's the NFL. That's a bad look on the NFL. Do you think that presses the issue a little bit more? Here's what I think that the NFL isn't planning for. Roger Goodell, I think, assumes that everybody is as up-to-date on the NFL judiciary process as the three of us or any of the national yeah. writers or any of the beat writers who cover the league from a day-in, day-out process. My guess is if I went out uh, in my yard, you know, my neighborhood and interviewed six of my neighbors and said, did you know that the NFL is an independent judiciary process or who do you think suspends the players in the NFL? Six out of six people would say Roger Goodell. Yep, right. Yep. And so that's his problem. Right. If Deshaun Watson gets two games, uh, that's Roger Goodell's problem. That's on Roger Goodell's legacy. He set the system up. Uh, he's going to choose not to appeal, uh, which I, I would be shocked if he appeals and drags this out. And, uh, you know, that's going to be another thing that he's going to have to wear around his neck, just like he's had to wear Ray Rice. I mean, you know, that was an embarrassment for the league. And I think if Deshaun Watson gets two games, it's going to be an absolute embarrassment for the NFL. Right. And uh, I talked to someone, someone we all know, Eric Edholm, uh, during the uh, weekend, and he made a good point where he goes, wait a minute. Can you actually give less games to Deshaun Watson than you do to Calvin Ridley for putting in a couple yeah. parlays? Uh, no, that just 
there, there may be people that don't understand the whole judiciary position, but they'll understand that. Wait a minute. Guy put in a couple of bets, and he's going to miss more games than a guy who had to settle 20-some-odd lawsuits yeah. because of sexual harassment. They've got to be very careful with how they handle this. All right, uh, another quarterback situation, how they handle it will be very intriguing to me, is Jimmy Garoppolo, Connor. Um, past his physical, will be showing up at camp shortly, won't necessarily be asked to throw right away, but that'll come within the next week or two. The 49ers seem to have completely committed to Trey Lance. Anytime the coach talks about it, it's always about they've come along and a better in the OTAs and the team has rallied behind. They've basically written Jimmy Garoppolo off before they've actually uh, parted ways, either via trade and or release. Is it going to be ugly when Jimmy G shows up? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think Jimmy wants to go too. You know, I, I think that he, I think everybody's waiting. I think the weird thing is why hasn't any other team kind of already lined themselves up? Um, and why haven't we seen uh, someone sort of stacking their deck already um, to put in, put in, in a spot where Jimmy Garoppolo can just walk in and be their quarterback. You know, I think we all thought, Oh, maybe that's why the Texans are waiting and they're just sticking with Davis Mills. Um, I've, I said in our podcast a month ago, I still think the Dolphins are the right move. Um, you know, I, I think he knows Mike McDaniel well. I think he could go in there and challenge Tua, and there wouldn't be much of a drop-off. I mean, I think he'd be much a, a market improvement over Tua, and he knows the division really well. But I, I think uh, right another, now – Another Tua hater heard from. Put, <laughs> Jody, uh, Jody or, loves or, Tua. Put Oren on the comm check mark, yeah. Connor, or another Tua hater. <laughs> he loves Tua. I don't. I don't see the Big evidence year this year. Big yeah. breakout year for Tua. Uh, I hope you're right. I, I hope think if right. you had to pay thirty million dollars for Tyreek Hill to turn three yard gains into five yard gains, I think you're in, uh, you're in a bit of a precarious roster position. Ooh. Did you mean five yard gains, or did you mean fifteen or twenty five yard? There's a number missing before that. Now, five. You didn't put now, it there, now you know, Connor Tyreek has said that's the most accurate uh, uh, quarterback in football. Uh, to a, so we'll see how that works out for him. But uh, uh, let, let's shift gears a little bit to uh, Kyle Shanahan because um, he's involved in this Garoppolo situation. It's been evident to me since the divisional round of the playoffs when they went to the Super Bowl, when he threw that interception to Eric Kendricks, that he literally turned it off and said, you know what? This quarterback can't win me football games. I have to win games a certain way. I have to build around a very good running game. Uh, they've been able to do that. They made that run to the Super Bowl. They made another run. They almost made the Super Bowl. I would argue if Nick Bosa didn't get hurt, they probably would have been up there again, to be honest. Very good football team that has been able to win with a game manager at quarterback at a pretty significant level. Um, if Trey Lance is even, I don't know, fifteenth uh, best quarterback, but can make some plays, if he's Jalen Hurts like, we'll use Philadelphia. How good can San Francisco be? Yeah, I used that comparison actually in a column earlier this week. If he's if he's Jalen Hurts last year, they can go to the Super Bowl, like no doubt in my mind. And the reason why is because. This offense is already hard enough for teams to stop, but none of the teams that run this offense, and it's 40% of the NFL now, none of the teams that run this offense have a mobile quarterback. So think about that. Like uh, Aaron Rodgers is probably the most, Ryan Tannehill, 
um, uh, you know, probably the most mobile quarterbacks that run that system. And it's all about math, right? It's, you know, defensive ends have to choose who to, you know, who to block, you know, you can manipulate the front, but if you have a running quarterback, it changes the math on teams that already don't have the numbers in the box to stop this offense. Right. And so you're just obliterating um, any chance that these teams have to, to get a hold on your offense. And that's why I was so excited about Trey. That was the reason they picked him uh, in the first place. And I just think it hasn't, maybe it's because he hasn't grasped sort of the baseline rules. There's a lot of rules in Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? If he hasn't grasped those baseline rules, uh, whatever it is. But I think when he gets it and when the rubber meets the road, I think this thing's going to take off. And I think, you know, I think it's going to be really, really hard to stop because there's a reason that half the teams in the NFL run this offense because no one can stop it. And then if you change the parameters of it again, you know, you're one step ahead, uh, you know, you're going to be in a really good spot. Connor, uh, since you brought up Jalen Hurts, actually, John brought him up, and you said, yeah, I already went down that road with you, John. Um, give us your read on Jalen Hurts. Everyone is expecting an improvement from Jalen this year. Is it this much or is it this much? And that could probably dictate how good the Eagles season is going to be. How much improvement do you see out of the Eagles quarterback? I think it'll be a little bit. You know, I, I think that, you know, to, to all goad ourselves into thinking that there's some unseen ceiling here is probably irresponsible. You know, I think he's good, you know, and he's, he's going to be a fine quarterback. And I think he's schemed up really well. I think with the offensive line that they still have and the pass catching weapons that they still have, you're going to be able to turn, you know, let's say without all those tools, he would have been the 22nd best quarterback in the NFL. You're probably able to turn him high upside into like the 13th best quarterback in the NFL this year. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. and you have a really good coaching staff. Um, you have a really good, um, you, have, you have a lot of good personnel. And so, you know, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that they win the NFC East. I don't think that's crazy um, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, is he going to be rewriting um, any NFL record books anytime soon? No. I mean, is he even going to be Wentz at the height of Wentz? I don't think so. You know, I, I don't think the the, the tools and the gifts, like the natural God-given stuff is there, but that doesn't mean he can, he can't be more effective in terms of leading them to more wins over the course of his career. Uh, Connor, what you mentioned when we were talking about the San Francisco offense, um, about 40% of the league is running um, a similar uh, scheme. The Eagles defense um looks like it's going to go into more of a Vic Bangio style defense or Brandon Staley version of Rick Bangio's defense. Um, how many teams are running sort of that Bangio inspired uh, system? Have you, have you looked into that? And if Vic is this well-respected, why the heck is Vic out of a job as a head coach? And um I think everybody would line up to have him as a defensive coordinator, but um, and he'll probably be able to pick a spot next year. Is it just that this league prefers offensive minds when it comes to head coaches? Yeah, I, you know, I thought uh, and listen, I mean, I had Nathaniel Hackett as my number one coaching candidate uh, in September of last year, so um, you know, I thought it was a great hire, uh, but I, I thought it was crazy not to give him a quarterback and see what he could have done in Denver. I mean, he had those teams 
competitive with Drew Locke and Trevor Simeon and Brock Oswald. You know, it was just, uh, you know, Chetty Bridgewater. And so, I, you know, I think there were some real lean times there. And I think he actually coached that team up pretty well. But to answer your first question, I would say about 90% of the NFL is running that defense <laughs> now. I mean, it really, I mean, but, but, you know, it went from, it went from Seattle cover three. Yeah. And then, you know, you saw that kind of phase out and, um, and now it's this kind of stalefied version of the Vic Fangio defense and defensive, you know, it's smart. I mean, if you have Patrick Mahomes, if you have Joe Burrow, if you have all these big guys that can extend plays and these fast wide receivers, why not just put a lid on that offense and force them to be more accurate in the, whatever it is, the five to 15 yard range. And that's why we saw the Bengals make the Super Bowl because Joe Burrow could still do it. Uh, some of these other guys can't. And so I think it's going to be, it's effective because it's always been effective. And, you know, it's just funny. We, we give all these coaches, like we always say, oh, they're brilliant. They're geniuses, but Vic's been running this defense for a really long time. Yeah. Bothering yeah. people with this for a really, really long time. Why did it take until, you know, three years ago for everyone to say, holy smokes, this is a great idea. We should all be yeah. running this. You know? now, but, yeah, but to follow up on that, Connor, at, 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 at some point, are there diminishing returns if everybody's doing the same thing? Because then it becomes, all right, who does it best? Uh, rather than I'm, I sort of have a trick that nobody else has. You have to be careful with that sort of line. Yeah, and that's why that's why the Ravens and the Patriots make the playoffs every year because they don't care, right? And they do they do what everybody else doesn't do. And there are some teams that make a living off of that too. And I think that that's you know to me that's a mark of a truly good organization in a franchise. Like the Patriots went three four defense when everyone was doing four three because they could get good athletes that nobody else could use in their defense, and then they built a Super Bowl dynasty out of it. And the Ravens were getting big guys and mobile quarterbacks when nobody wanted them. And they're putting together a perennial playoff team that's really talented. And so I think that there's certainly a um, there's certainly something to be said for that um, strategy. But if you're a defensive coordinator, and you got to hang on to your job. And, you know, you're just sitting there in your cubicle and you have no say over personnel. Like sometimes that Fangio defense is just a really nice patchwork that you can put over things and, and make a lot of problems go away. All right, Connor, I need your take on this because if there's one story that I've read in the last 24 hours that had me shaking my head, it was this one. At Patriots camp, Matt Patricia is calling plays on offense for the Patriots. <laughs> the former defense coordinator of the Patriots, the former head coach of the Lions, who was summarily dismissed pretty damn quickly, is calling offensive plays for the Patriots the Patriots don't have a named offensive coordinator. It's now looking like it's Matt Patricia. Is Belichick going soft or crazy? <laughs> um, our, our, uh, my coworker, Albert Breer, had some insight into this that I thought was interesting, and then I'll kind of mix him a little bit of what I think. But his take was that, you know, basically you want guys who are not as obsessed or as deep into this offense as Josh McDaniels was because when Josh and Tom were together for 20 years, the offense got really unaccessibly complicated, right? Because they could keep building on it and building on it and building on it. And then when Mac Jones came in last year, you basically had this biblical tome of an offense. And I think what they needed to do is they needed to tear it down because Mac is trying to catch up on stuff that took Tom Brady 20 years to learn. Right. And that's tough. 
right? And so what you need to do is you need to break that down to its essence. And I think that by pairing that with guys who, you know, I mean, listen, every coach, I think, has an ability to, except for Rex Ryan, who couldn't draw plays the opposite way. And he told me that once. Every coach has an ability to to do offense and defense, right? I mean, you're that steeped in the game. You're going to be able to do this in some way, shape, or form. And I think that these guys know the offense intimately anyway, um, but they can probably come at it from a fresh perspective and just introduce the basics, the tent poles to Mac and let him learn the offense with time and, and take it with him. And my other take on this is that with Joe Judge too in the mix, you're introducing two play callers that have absolutely no tendencies in the NFL, which I think is interesting because every offensive coordinator um, you know, uh, I, someone told me this after the Super Bowl, that fourth and one play that the Bengals ran where Aaron Donald sacked Joe Burrow and they, the Super Bowl was over. They had run essentially the same play in the same situation a bunch of times last year. So the Rams just knew what, what was going to happen. And so with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, if you don't know who's calling the plays, um, you don't know what they're going to call, what they like to call, what they've called in the past. And so, sure, does that does that mystique run out after a year or so? Yeah, but it also buys your quarterback a nice little runway of unpredictability. Do you think uh, people in the NFL, Connor, are too obsessed with titles, too accepts, you know, Bill doesn't, you know, we said it the other day, uh, we don't care about titles. Um, and they go about things a different way. Now he has the the gravitas to get away with that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, a young coach, would if they tried that they'd be just killed from day one so part of it is that but even from a labeling system like here in philadelphia people are obsessed with are they going to run a four three or three four and the real answer is neither but so many can't accept that uh uh, you know whether the difference between Edge rusher out in Minnesota, they're changing to to the more Vic Fangio style defense, and Daniel Hunter is going to be, um, a, you know, an outside linebacker. Really, he's an edge rusher. I mean, why? Why? If you want to label him, label him correctly. Do you think the NFL and people around the NFL, whether it's fans or media, whomever, are too obsessed with titles? It's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yes. Yes. In a broader sense, I think if if you're an NFL coach in particular, I think titles uh, with Bill Belichick's team, it doesn't matter because if you're on that staff, you know, you're getting a head coaching job at some point or you're pretty sure that you're yeah. getting a head coaching job at some point. Right. But if you are the running backs coach and not the run game coordinator, you know that you uh, have probably like a 90 percent less chance of getting interviewed for jobs. And so for those guys in particular, I think titles are essential and, you know, there are certain mechanisms within the rules, right? You can get blocked for certain jobs, not blocked for certain jobs. If you have titles, that stuff matters. Everything else doesn't matter. I stopped asking. I mean, when I was a beat writer in 2010, you know, I I would always ask coaches, well, what kind of defense do you run? You're a nickel. I mean, that's what you're, that's what you're you know, know, you're running nickel. Maybe a couple teams run, uh, you know, a little bit heavier of a dime presence, you know, but that's the real difference here. It's between nickel and dime. You know, it's a 3-4 and a 4-3. doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, I, I looked at the base defense stats the other day, and I think, like, maybe one team was in their base defense, like, more than 40% of the time last year, and that was a big number that surprised me. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. Now, 
The other time that titles matter, I mean, we saw this with the tight ends fighting for stuff, right? If you're trying to get a yeah, contract, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, if, yeah. if you're trying to not get pigeonholed into a certain, um, you know, franchise tag category, you know, yep. uh, I remember Jimmy Graham doing this years ago saying I'm a wide receiver and I deserve to get paid by, it. you know, that stuff matters. But the way that we look at things, I think from a traditional fan slash media perspective, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter, even to the point where, you know, you know, you're looking at a guy and you're saying, no, oh, he's the offensive coordinator. But, you know, if you look at how offenses work now, like, yes, one guy has the responsibility of calling the plays, but all the plays that go into that are, you know, the quarterback's coach comes up with some, the wide receiver come, co coach comes up with some. None of these guys are actually coaching the wide receivers or the quarterbacks. They're all, you know, miniature offensive coordinators. You know what I mean? And so I think that, you know, a lot of this stuff we, we, we get a little too worked up about for no reason. All right. Uh, I appreciate John's question because it reminded me of a question I wanted to ask you, speaking of nitpicking and things that bother us. The last couple of years, more often than not, but there have been a couple of years where it hasn't popped up, point of uh, effort from the referees that the NFL Competition Committee decides we're going to make a concerned effort to clean this up and they throw flags all over the place in preseason games, and it gets annoying to watch those preseason, not again, and they do so. Sometimes it carries over into the season. Sometimes it's just they're making a point in the preseason, so it gets in the players' heads. We don't want you doing this going forward. What am I looking for this year? What is going to be, or is there even going to be, a point of emphasis in the way they call games that we're going to have to work our way through in preseason? I remember when I was a beat writer, we used to get a presentation on that. Like the officials would yeah. actually come to yeah. camps and, uh, and, uh, and say, hey, this is the year. Like I think I, I remember the last one I got was maybe like the lowering the lower, running backs, lowering the, with the crown. Yeah. yeah. I remember they that. They had one. the Adrian Peterson video. Yeah. Yeah. With him. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was in high school again. I was like, <laughs> you, and you and, uh, 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 Kyla Murray, got to go to, go back to school. <laughs> yeah, Make I sure they'll, they'll punish you if you don't put your time in. Yeah, Sports Illustrated has a big no video game clause in my contract, too. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, minus if, you know, I'm sure we'll see that come out at some point um, this preseason. I'm sure people will start talking about that. But, um, you know, if not, we're going to know by the first five minutes of the first Hall of Fame game what it is, you know, I'm in – you know, I, I think for me, it's fine. You know, it's a fine, you know, like it's annoying, but it's okay. But I think what, you know, concerns me is like, you're one of these kids that's trying to make the roster and hang on as like the, you know, as the 50th guy. And, you know, if, you know, if a coach is just looking at a spreadsheet at the end of that thing and you had three penalties in the preseason, but it was just used to make a point for somebody and then you get whacked off the roster. I don't yeah. think that's fair, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah. you know, other, you know, other than that, it's like, okay, you know, it's, I understand why you're doing it. Uh, you know, most people, uh, you know, don't watch the preseason anyway, unless they got a real gambling problem. And uh, so, you know, <laughs> uh, that, it, it is what it is. Or, or they have to write about it, which is the yeah. other people watching preseason. At Connor or follow Connor on Twitter. One in, as you see it there on the screen, you can read them at si.com backslash NFL, the Monday morning quarterback. Uh, Connor, I'll, I'll leave you with, uh, sort of, I, I need one surprise team. We know the 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 heavyweights, uh, the the Super Bowl favorites. One potential surprise team 
on both sides of the docket, AFC, NFC, one that might break out, one that might be the Cincinnati Bengals from last year. Are the are the Eagles too good to be the surprise? No, I don't. Yeah. I think you got the Bucks, you got the Packers, you got the Rams. I think everybody defaults to them. I think the Eagles. You're going to make a lot of people very happy here. <laughs> I think the Eagle. My three candidates in the NFC would be the Eagles. Um, I think the Lions. Because uh, oh, wow. now that would be too. a big one. Oh, that would God. be a big one. The Lions. Was 11 touchdowns, two picks over the end of the year last year. Um, I, I think he's coming around, uh, and they have a really good receiver. I mean, that receiving core is is going to be is going to be pretty formidable. I think. Um, or the Vikings, just because I want to see what Kirk Cousins looks like in an offense that is not completely run game or with a coach that doesn't hate him. Yeah, and a coach <laughs> that doesn't uh, that doesn't dislike him. Um, the AFC is harder because it's so top heavy, you know what I mean? And and yeah. we know all the teams that are going to be really good. Um, You know, I would say if the Dolphins got Jimmy G, I would put the Dolphins in that category just because I like. You're killing offense. Jody. You're killing Jody. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if the Patriots qualify again as like a team yeah, that can they be qualify a, now as yeah, a, a surprise say. team. But I think we're all forgetting that it's still, one of the best coach teams in the history of the NFL. But yeah, like I said, the, the AFC is tougher because, you know, I don't even know if the Bengals are surviving that division this year um, with Baltimore being healthy. And yeah, nobody talks about Tennessee and they were the number one seed last year. And, yeah, and nobody and it, talks you know, about them. The Colts, I think, are another team that, you know, I, I don't think we're giving Matt Ryan nearly enough credit. I mean, that was a bad situation that he left. And I think he's going to be re-energized there. I think they could be really good this year. All right. I'm glad at least we can agree on that because you're just beating the snot out of Tua Tungavaloa. <laughs> we're going to have you back on again, Mr. War, when Tua is putting up massive numbers a month into the season. We'll probably have it on before that, but after a month when the Dolphins are three and one and two is playing great. Oh, I'm going to get you back on again because I, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a Tua fan, uh, and it, he is one of those lightning rod players that people seem to fall into one category or the other. You and I going mano a mano. I'm good with that. Kind of great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, thank you very much for a solid 25 minutes with us today. We'll get you back on again, big guy. All right, looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. Kind of or from Sports Illustrated. Other than the fact that he hates Tua, he's good. Uh, he yeah. always brings insight. And- I, 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 I'm. We're kind of like I'm not a big Tua fan, but I'm not a big Jimmy G fan. So you know, if you're asking me, what I'd rather have Tua as a younger player with some upside rather than Jimmy, yeah, I'm taking Tua. Um, I, I, Jimmy G. Oof. My take on on Jimmy G is this: I, I, yeah, I like Jimmy G more than you like Jimmy G, and you know, I like Tua more than either you or Connor like Tua. I can't wait to when San Francisco has to release Jimmy G because the whole league knows that they can't keep yeah. Jimmy G now. So what are they going to do when uh, the general manager's corner will take a conditional seventh round pick? No, thank you. Uh, yeah. Cause they know you're going to release him. Well, what? here's the difference though. If there's more than one team, if they, if some team becomes desperate, like Teddy Bridgewater injury, we always use that. And then all of a sudden you have two teams jogging and Miami wants him. I, I don't know if they want him, but Mike McDaniel's there. So I know where Connor gets it. I mean, he has a history with him. Um, but if you have two teams, you might not want to worry about guy being released and being able to, you might want to just be able to acquire him. 
if a quarterback gives you even remotely good play, you're going to be willing to give up a day three pick. Who cares? Um, so maybe they could work it that way. But I agree with you. I mean, you should never – and as much as I like Kyle Shanahan, I like him as an offensive schemer and play caller. You should never say, I, I don't want the quarterback. I You know, he's not going to be here. GM, head coach, you should never do that. Thrown under the bus. That's what Shanahan has done to Jimmy G. Thrown him under the bus. And I would be willing to wager with you, Mr. McMullen, a coffee, a Diet Coke, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever you want to bet. Ooh, Jimmy G released. He will not be traded. The rest of the well, league They're knows. doing their best. They're doing they, their best. Will, to get good, good, good on John Lynch. He's making a bunch of phone calls. Yeah. I'm predicting the answer on the other end of the phone. No, we won't give you anything. We'll wait for you to release him. Thank you very much. I don't think that, uh, and I think he can play a little bit, but they painted themselves into such a corner. I think the rest of the league has decided, no, we're not going to give you anything. So we'll see how it goes. All right, we got to come back, put a bow on this show here on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze. And the Oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
As we speak, the Eagles might be tiptoeing through the tulips down at the... Uh, oh, yeah, they're working. They're working, Jody. Walk through meetings, mental yeah. aspect. Give they them. don't have to deal with us. They can do all the secretive stuff. You know, keep the, keep the all-important CIA-level strategy decisions to themselves. All that kind of stuff. Uh, God bless them. Uh, and hopefully they all pass uh, with uh, flying colors the amount of work that they have to put in. So unlike uh, Kyler Murray, uh, they don't get uh, their contract ripped up because they don't Four put hours, in baby. By the way, how, how much does Microsoft uh, pay uh, for to be the official laptop of the NFL with the Surface laptop? And everybody just says, uh, give me the iPad. Give me, give me uh, the iPad with Kyler Murray. Uh, understood that uh, there's a whole bunch of dollars at stake, but people just say what they want to say. So, like I always say, give me a Kleenex. Well, that's an actual brand. Yes, you should yes, say give me an issue. But sometimes people just get you saying something and they continue to say it. Uh, we will be saying eh, not much tomorrow. Yours truly is off. I'm. I haven't been a day off here from Birds 365 in a while. Um, at least one that was scheduled for me to be off. I did oversleep that one time that six months ago. Then my buddy <laughs> Tyler hit me up at the start of the show, every show here on the stream. Jody Mack, you awake yet? Yes, I'm awake and yes, I'm here and ready to go. But I will not be here and ready to go tomorrow. So Tone the Shields will be hosting tomorrow's show. Rick Saratella will be his co-host. And you'll be on for the first uh, half hour like you usually are on days you got to go to camp. Right, Johnny Mac? Correct. Uh, so I'll be here early. Uh, Jody Macklis, not excited about that. But I do have tone. I got Rick Saratella. So we got some good pinch hitters for you, buddy. I uh, appreciate uh, those stepping in for me tomorrow. And then uh, Johnny Mac and I will be back. On my... What's your weekend look like with the birds? Uh, they are practicing Saturday, Friday, Saturday, uh, walk through Sunday, Monday. I'll be here early. Uh, so we'll have to shake out all that. They'll, they'll be on the practice field Monday. So, so uh, walk, walk through Mondays, any walkthrough is not going to be open to, uh, the... now walk through Sunday practice Monday will be a, a real, a real practice. Uh, but then, uh, they're going to have a walkthrough. So I'll let you know, I got to look right. at the schedule. I'm just trying to, the... I'm trying to give our, uh, viewers a little bit of a peek into the future, but, yeah. uh, if, Actually, I'm going to pull it up right now. We got time. What? What the uh, heck? Yeah, uh, Sunday, uh, players' day off. Actually, so they're practicing Friday, Saturday, Monday, uh, Tuesday. They are practicing Wednesday. Walk through, close to the media. Thursday, back on the field. Friday, players' day off. So Wednesday and Friday next week, you'll get me for the whole show. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'll drop in for the first half for hour. For the first so. half hour. I hope you paid strict attention that I took notes, used either your iPad or your Surface to note it, note when John McMullen will be here, uh, whatever you device you want to use. That's complete. We're not going to send off a note that say, hey, don't mention that. You can use whatever freaking device you want. Uh, and we will use what we use, our microphones, to try and give you two hours of Eagle content every single day. Uh, partner, have a good one tomorrow. For you birds fans out there, I'm not going to be back for three and three. 
like three days. I'm not going to be back till Monday. I'm off tomorrow. But be here tomorrow for Johnny Mac with Tone and with Rick Saratella here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.